It's the Do Politics Better podcast. I'm Brian Lewis. And I'm Sky David. Another week without any legislative action. Pretty boring. I have resorted to opening up my closet doors and just watching my clothes go out of style for entertainment. Boy, your clothes have been out of style. <laughs> uh, yeah, yesterday, you decided to come in hot on what I was wearing while you were wearing both <laughs> vertical and horizontal stripes at the same <laughs> damn time. I'm 51 years old. It doesn't matter what I wear. You, I mean, I was, it was a compliment. You look like you're ready for a tennis match, or maybe you're into pickleball now. Are you yeah. a pickleball player? Today is like you've really got a beach vibe going what style shirt is that it's a you know it's a beach shirt it's a button down tommy bahama oh, yeah <laughs> that dude really thought of everything <laughs> he's, he's got beach chairs <laughs> he's got a casual line of clothes that says i'm the dad on this vacation <laughs> This is not a Tommy Bahama shirt. I bought it at Carolina Surf Shop, and I am wearing my Target shorts with toes out, flip-flops. We'll get to that a little later in the podcast, but uh, yeah. I mean, what did happen this week? Actually, you know, for it to be such a, a slow news week, big news last Friday when the podcast dropped. So the news that the speaker was not going to run in 2025 for the speakership that was dropped by appropriations chair jason Singh. yeah said that speaker moore had made the announcement to the caucus that he was not going to run and it finally made it out into the mainstream press i think many of us thought he wasn't going to run again there's this hint out there that he's looking for a congressional district. Of course, they need to draw the districts, which should come later this fall. Many think that Speaker Moore is going to take the plunge there. The the article was a little curious in that it said he's not running for re-election for Speaker. So if there is no congressional seat out there for him, will he run for the House again? That's got to be something that's not on his, his plate uh, it's got to be tough. I mean, I have seen it happen. Uh, Dan Blue was speaker, went back to the rank and file. Joe Hackney went back to the rank and file. But that's got to be a tough, tough demotion to give yourself. Totally. So, Sky, what is going on with the legislative schedule? The House announced this morning, we're recording on Thursday, that they would not have votes until the week of August 7th. You know what else is August 7th? Yeah. That's the week my wife said she's taking off the whole week for my birthday, and we're supposed to take a vacation. Maybe you still can. Maybe. Get a phone call into the house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe someone will hook me up. I think if I just stay quiet, chances are they'll punt another week. So, House, Senate, if you want to do me a solid, you know, go ahead and take off that week, too. The reason they're not voting next week, right, is because of the ALEC conference. That's the American Legislative Exchange Council. That's a conservative think tank organization. They're down in Orlando, Florida. Couldn't think of a more miserable place to be in the summer. That is going to take a lot of legislators out of the General Assembly. Mm -hmm. Another week of not wearing a necktie next week. 
Are you going to stay at the beach? I don't know what I'm going to do. I think I'm definitely going to the beach today. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stay through the weekend. Uh, We have a client that has a conference down there in Wilmington. So I'm trying to figure out my schedule there so I can go and attend that conference. I was going to do a training with our colleague, Christy Jones. We'll see how that all works out. In non-legislative news, there has been a lot of movement this week about who's running for what next year, including the governorship. Former state senator Andy Wells, a Republican from Hickory, he announced this week that he is jumping into that GOP primary. Uh, You know, we had indicated that Senator Wells was seeming to make some hints last year. He had put out some curious editorials on his website. It got distributed to his email list. A small businessman in the Hickory area, uh, a real estate developer, been on the state transportation board. So you got Dale Falwell, Mark Robinson, Andy Wells, and Mark Walker. Additionally, we had heard some rumors that State Representative Ben Moss, who was running for labor commissioner in that primary against Representative Hardister, John Hardister, was not going to be running in that anymore. And you reached out to his political consultant the other day, and then it came out on Wednesday morning that he decided not to run. Ben Moss was featured on the podcast earlier this year. He said that he wanted to focus his time on family. He's got a kid who's going to college, and he also has some policy work that he wants to do. He also talked about his affiliation with the Freedom Caucus uh, in the House. I think a lot of us thought that with Ben Moss running for labor commissioner, that former representative Jamie Bowles may be coming back to the House. We don't know if Representative Bowles is going to challenge Moss in a primary. You may remember in the last election, uh, Moss defeated Bowles in that GOP primary. Uh, We'll continue to watch that. We had some congressional campaign news this week. Yes, first, that there is a primary challenger for Congressman Chuck Edwards. He's out in the 11th district in Western North Carolina, and that is a guy named Christian Reagan. And if you're wondering, he is using the Reagan logo from 1984. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And a first name Christian. I mean, this guy's right out of central casting. Uh huh. He has a cowboy hat on and a lot of, he has a lot of videos. Yeah. You were really diving deep yesterday. Yeah. Is that an indication of how bored you were yesterday, or are these videos that good? I think his whole website is definitely worth going to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Congressman Edwards may have a race on his hands. By the way, the race is the primary, so we'll look at that. Interesting news coming out of the 13th district. That's basically right here in the triangle, a little south, but it's currently held by Congressman Wiley Nickel. We had a legislative staffer this week say, look, people have been talking to me. I might try to get in this race. Yes. Jeff Hauser said he was exploring the idea of running for the 13th district, but you know, there is redistricting happening and also... Someone else might be in that race. Representative Aaron Perret, who is the representative down in the southwest corner of Wake County. She has been rumored to be looking at this race. But again, as you said, redistricting has not happened yet. We do know 
that someone has already filed paperwork to run for Representative Perret's House seat if she does run for Congress. I can't remember the guy's name, but he said that uh, if Representative Perret does not run for Congress, he's going to pull out. Just a side note here, there was a Carolina Journal article that came out on Wednesday about current Congressman Wiley Nickel in that seat, how he's second cousins with Tucker Carlson. (laughs) And then I saw Dallas Woodhouse tweeted, I can relate, and tagged his brother. (laughs) Family's a tough, tough thing. Yeah, I'm all for not holding anyone accountable for their family's political affiliations. Yeah, a century ago, you could have married them. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) All right, we had a natural disaster this week in North Carolina. On Wednesday afternoon, a pretty large tornado ripped through Nash, Edgecombe, and Halifax counties. Mm -hmm. It went right through the Pfizer pharmaceutical plant, which, by the way, blossomed so many absurd rumors all over social media. We won't get too much into that except to say, apparently, God doesn't like Viagra or vaccines. We think that that is a myth. (laughs) You can do research on your own, but uh, no fatalities to speak of. Yeah, and with that damage, it looked like there might have been some fatalities, but lucky. Winds got up to 150 miles an hour. You know, we're a state that is very familiar with hurricanes. Tornadoes, not so much. Every once in a while, one comes through, but you're used to it being out in the Midwest, right? Yeah, we had a lot of summer tornadoes. It's just this thing where you would go outside and you would be like, I feel it in the air. There's a tornado coming. Maybe I should get in the basement. Is it like a calmness? Yeah. It's like eerie. I don't know how to describe it. So that's how you feel about hurricanes, both right before and right after. There is a stillness. And have you, if you've ever been in the eye of a hurricane, there's, there's some stillness. But uh, there is, like, all the oxygen is just out of the room. So is it a regular occurrence in Illinois? It's not, like, once a week, but it's pretty regular in the summer. You just expect tornadoes, yeah. So my experience with tornadoes is basically watching The Wizard of Oz on television the tornado, and then it takes the house up in the air and spins it. And then you see the witch on the bicycle. That was such a vivid nightmare image for me as a kid. Mm. I remember one time I went with my friend. We were going to go to a drive-in movie, which was like 45 minutes away from where we lived. And we were with her parents and a tornado was coming and we just kind of like drove alongside the road and the tornado was just moving alongside us it was wild we were then we were like yeah we're we're tornado watchers wow people do that yeah can't imagine yeah i thought you were gonna say the movie twister which i loved i've seen that i was an adult when that came out but watching the wizard of oz as a kid man and just, I was like, could, could it really pick up a house? Could it really put you in a funnel and kick you around? Definitely. Wow. We hope for a speedy recovery for all the residents down in Nash County and that greater area. This week, we brought back on one of our favorite representatives, one of everyone's favorite representatives, to talk about her life and some recent legislation. 
The Do Politics Better podcast is supported by the North Carolina Travel Industry Association. Founded in 1955, NCTIA has a distinguished history of partnering with the North Carolina General Assembly to strengthen and preserve tourism in North Carolina. Visit nctia.travel for more information on how you can support your local tourism destination and the thousands of North Carolina jobs it creates. Representative Allison Dahl, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. For those who haven't listened from the very inception of the Do Politics Better podcast, Representative Dahl was our second guest ever. First Democrat. First Democrat. So we brought her back on now that we... um, really structured the podcast (laughs) (laughs) because at the time (laughs) I I should have gone back and listened to it. No, don't do that. Uh, But I was too embarrassed (laughs) to do so. So start us off by telling us about your district. Where is your district? Why is your district special? So my district is Cary, Apex, Holly Springs, and Raleigh. I don't think I'm in unincorporated areas. Um, it touch it has a little piece of all of it, so I think it's special because it's really hard to understand what everybody. This is a culmination of people who don't necessarily want the same things. Mm. You know, you have a Raleigh city who wants to grow. Oh, a Garner. I also have a little bit of Garner. Mm. And so you have all these little places, and then you have these unincorporated places that want to stay unincorporated. So it's a very interesting mixture of people this is your first time in elected office right in yep. the house third term though man third term yeah 2018 yeah you beat representative Dwayne hall in a primary that was a that pretty was, tough primary it was a tough primary when you were elected did you find you had just beaten an incumbent were you welcomed into the caucus right away you know politics is such a weird little world it was as if i was some tainted fruit and nobody could talk to me but then when I got there when I after the I got the prime after I won the primary everybody was like okay you got it now and they walked away and I was like uh can somebody help me (laughs) I don't quite understand what's going on and they were like but you're gonna win and I'm like I don't understand Uh because I wasn't in politics, so I didn't understand that the numbers were so good that I just could sit back and do nothing. Um, so I continued to work and I continued to knock on doors and that kind of thing. And then I also continued to help people like Sydney Batch and Julie Von Haven, Terrence. But I still was like, what? I just did something really interesting. Nobody's, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird. And my poor wife was like, <laughs> I mean, she's just terrified that I was going to lose. In the general election. In the general. Because it's a D plus what? Well, now it's a D plus three or four. Oh, it wow. was a D plus 12, okay. 14. So you wet. could lose. I mean, it is competitive. Yeah, thanks. No. <laughs> but I'm saying you shouldn't take it for granted. No, 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 no. No, and I don't know what it'll be, because mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to redraw. Who knows? So what made you want to run for that seat to begin with? Like you said, you're not in politics. What made you decide, I'm going to throw my hat in this? Well, it gets back to what we weren't going to get into. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, it gets back to, look, 
we all make mistakes. And I get it. But you got to own up to them. Whether you believe you did it or not, you got to own up to them. And when a woman says, I didn't feel comfortable with that, I'm sorry. Men have to say, okay, I'm sorry. Because it's a different world. So that's what made me get into it. Because, you know, women are second-class citizens. Everybody but a white male is a second-class citizen. And I know you poor white males feel like you get beat the hell out of all the time. But, you know, I don't really think Brian's a practicing white male. I mean, he doesn't stand around going, I think this is the right thing and that's it. You know, you have to have discussions and you have to, he might do that, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, white men have privilege. I'm sorry. You guys have privilege. You guys, I took my, I take my brother with me to go get my car done Mm. because he don't, yeah, he can walk in there and they'll talk to him. Mm. They won't talk to me. I have white female privilege over top of a black female or sometimes a black man. It depends. And we have to recognize those things and we have to take responsibility for what that does. Now, when you beat a white male in that primary, the incumbent was right. white male Democrat. Were you shocked that you're, you had I taken him? I was gobsmacked. That was the word, word I used. Who was it? Michael Hyland with News 17, I yeah. think is what. He asked me, he said, how are you? And I was like, I am gobsmacked. I cannot believe I did this. But I worked hard, and I talked to people, and I, I felt like... It was the right thing to do. And I was taking up for people who couldn't take up for themselves. Did you ever have a conversation with the incumbent, whether it was before the election or after the election? It was after the election. Was it good? Yeah. I mean, he said he was glad that a nice lady like me won. He and I met each other several times after that. We always shake hands. We're always cordial. I mean, we're not going to be best friends. We're going to get into your unique brand of being a politician. But first, I'd like to take a step back. You're a Raleigh native, right? Yes. Tell us about growing up here. Raleigh is not even recognizable from when I grew up here. I mean, first of all, you didn't come downtown because downtown was, you could get in trouble downtown. Downtown was scary. The mall, Fayetteville Street Mall wasn't open. It was a walking mall. I remember that. You really didn't come downtown for anything. And when you went to Cary, you had to pack a lunch. (laughs) We lived about a half a mile behind Meredith College. Prior to that, Mm -hmm. we lived in North Hills. And we moved over behind Meredith College when I was 14. And I can remember going to Stone's School Supply with my mother, which is out Gorman Street on Tryon. And it was as if we were going out to the country. I mean, even going, my mother grew up in Fuquay, even going to Fuquay was like we were going to another state. The other piece of it is, inside the Beltline, Raleigh hadn't changed much. One of the lobbyists, I can't remember his name, remember his face, he and I were talking because he grew up in the neighborhood that I live in now. And he went to Broughton and he said, I remember what it was like to go to school with those people that live inside the Beltline. They're white privileged folk Mm -hmm. (laughs) that live there and their world hasn't changed much other than the piggly wiggly is no longer now it's no hair steeter has changed car drugs is not there i mean the wind dixie is cha- i mean all those things have changed but it's not changed how establishment runs 
I remember North Raleigh being built. Do you remember that? Oh, my God. And I wanted to move to North Raleigh so bad. They had swimming pools in their neighborhoods. Oh, yeah. Rich people lived up there. Oh, yeah. And that was the big deal. And we were moving to West Raleigh. Yeah. God. (laughs) How dare my parents move to this Uh great mid-century modern house. I mean, it was horrible. Every All my friends were moving to North Raleigh. I mean, growing up in Raleigh was great. You know, everybody knew you, or everybody knew us, because my mom worked at Meredith College, and my dad worked at NC State, and my brother and I, I mean, we couldn't go anywhere without somebody knowing us. Mm-hmm. We were sitting at a dive, which was Satellite Heroes, on the corner of Enterprise and Hillsborough Street. We were drinking. We were of age at that point. And... You know, we were just laughing and having a good time, and somebody came up that my mom knew. Hey, how are y'all? And we were like, it's a small world. So in Raleigh, the General Assembly, the Governor's Mansion, all of that's just kind of part of our landscape. If you grew up in the area, it's like, yep, that's the legislative building mansion. Did you ever think when you were downtown Raleigh that you'd be serving one day? No. It never entered your... It did Imagination. The only time it entered my imagination is when I went to the General Assembly with a buddy of mine, and I looked over at the door that said staff and legislators, and I was like, damn, I'd really like to go through those doors one day. A year later, I was getting ready to go through those doors. Yeah. So... After you began walking through those doors, once you started at the legislature... You have always had a unique brand. Can you talk about when you first came in, how did you approach the job? When I first came in, my whole goal was to show people that gay people were not any different than the rest of the people. There's no agenda. There's no BS. We're just humans. And, you know, I love people. I love and hate people all at the same time. (laughs) You know, I can argue with you and the next minute give you a hug because that's what life should be about is discussion and dis... I mean, it's okay to disagree. And my wife would tell you that I don't like to disagree, but when you're disagreeing about things that affect more than just you, it's a whole lot easier to discuss it. Mm -hmm. And it's a whole lot easier to look at your point of view or your point of view or somebody else's point of view. I mean, I totally get points. I get your point of view. It doesn't mean I'm going to agree with it. Mm -hmm. It's noticeable to us that the conversations you've had or the friendships you have made have been with some of the most conservative legislators (laughs) down there. It's not uncommon to see you chatting it up with Representative Mark Brody. Uh, The other day, uh, we're talking to Representative Alan Chesser, a and he's like, yeah, you're my favorite Republican. <laughs> There's a couple that I go and see on a regular basis, and I usually say, well, there's one in particular, and I said to him, I was like, will you pa- pass that stupid transgender bill and that stupid parents' bill of rights? So I need to come F with you about this. You know, and I go and poke them with sticks and, you know, <laughs> tell them I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And they're very clear on it. And then I say... And these are the reasons. And it's always shocking to me when I find out that people have voted for a bill that they don't know the history of. Hmm. 
And I know I have probably done the same thing. But I try at least to learn a little bit about it, especially when we're changing people's lives. I mm-hmm. think that's what it is. You know, when we're, when we're changing people's education, their lives, what happens to them, then I try to learn a little bit about it. Like, for example, Mark Brody. Mark Brody and I became friends because I voted against an electrical bill because my wife's a licensed electrician, and I feel as though electrical contractors should be the ones making these laws. I later found out how laws are, you know, that was in my first biennium. So I later then found out that the electrical contractors have to answer to the General Assembly and I, da, 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 da. So I found out why, and I wouldn't have voted the same. But that's how we became friends. And I have friends that are in the building trade, and he's in the building trade, so we can talk about those things. I can tell him that I disagree with him on most everything, but, you know, if he wants to help a home builder out, I'm okay with that. And you've also been an ally to... Republicans on some gun legislation. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, I am a gun owner. I enjoy shooting um, sporting clays. So anyways, I agree that it's fine to own a gun. It's the responsibility once you have it in your home. A couple weeks ago, there was a debate on the House floor. It was House Bill 808. It was about affirming care for transgender youth. You spoke on the bill. This particular day, it was noticeable that you were getting emotional. You were crying. Mm -hmm. You were really pleading with legislators to vote no on this bill. And you were putting, I felt, your friendship right there on the table. And you were saying, I'm asking you to vote no for me. Yeah. Can you talk about this floor speech and how you approached that debate? Well, um, I've, I cried for like two weeks prior to that, and I will cry now. I, I think what we're talking about is it's the same as, it's worse than HB2 and the bathroom bill. It is somebody coming in to your home and making parental decisions for you. We have to go back a little bit. I have been a fat child since I was born. There's nothing I could have changed about that. And I have always been judged on that. In school, I was judged. I was not asked to do things. I was asked to do things. And that's where my personality comes from. And that's why I don't hold grudges. And that's why I'm not, I try really hard not to be mean because I remember what that was like. I remember what it was like to be picked last or to be told, well, you know, you won't fit or you won't this or you won't that. And it wasn't just outsiders. It was inside the family. It was everything. So I think about that. And then I think about kids who felt like I did, who were scared and depressed because whatever they had inside wasn't being reflected on the outside. And, 
you know, I learned at an early age to be happy because you can't depend on anybody else. So I figured it out. Am I happy every day I smile? No. But fake it until you make it. But some of these kids don't have that option. I just can't imagine going home and having whatever you feel like inside being trod on and told you that you don't matter. You know, and I know people would say, oh, being fat and being transgendered are two different things. They are two different things. But it's the fact that I can identify with the hurt and the pain inside of watching the world pass you by and not knowing how you fit in and not being allowed to fit in. You also had to feel that way as a young lesbian, too, I imagine. Oh, yeah. But I, that whole lesbian thing, I mean, I don't know what happened to me. I just, it went right over my head. <laughs> it was like I was a lesbian and that was fine. And I just kept on going. I mean, I did get married to a man. I, that was a little, a little blip, you know, it was about a year. Um, well, we were married for less than a year. We were together. When, when I lived in New York, but God, we never saw each other, so I don't know. Anyways. Did you realize you were a lesbian after you Oh, no, it was married? before I got married. I just thought that, I don't know what happened. I just can't <laughs> tell you. <laughs> I have tried to explain this to numerous people, and I cannot tell you he was a great guy. Love is love. Yeah, he was a, he was a great guy. He was... He was all right. I don't know. I hear you. It worked. I, we all have moments in our yeah. life like that. That's fine. It but- worked for a little while. <laughs> I, I remember having huge crushes on girls when I was in first, second grade. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I kind of, I never had boyfriends and always gave myself a hard time about it, but I didn't want boyfriends. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just, it didn't, I guess, you know, and part of that was because I worked in the theater, and I was a theater person, and so a lot of my friends were gay, but, and somewhere along the way, I thought that only men were gay, and then I realized that women were gay, and I just, the hardest thing about coming out was telling my mother, Hmm. because I had to tell my mother after my father had passed away, and it was like eight months after my father passed away. And so that was hard. I was scared because I wasn't sure what she was going to do with that information, but she was also grieving. So it was just a, you know, a kind of weird thing. My brother was like, yeah, whatever, go ahead. Um, but, I, you know, I was lucky. Your mom, she... Well, she, I mean, she had a little bit of a heart. I mean, it took her a minute because mm-hmm. she wasn't quite sure about what that meant. Did that mean that I would be in more harm's way than and less? Or, I mean, she was worried as a mother would worry. Fair question. Yeah. Did you get any response after the speech? It should be noted that it was a partisan vote. So no Republican took you up Mm-mm. on your offer to vote for you. Mm-mm. Well, I mean, I had people, you know, grab my hand and say, they had to do what they had to do. I know it's been a rough day for you or a rough time. And I was like, well, if you know it's been rough, then, 
you should have voted no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I don't get, you know, I have, so last biennium, I went against my entire caucus and voted for the farm bill. I mean, I've, and that was uncomfortable as hell. I got a lot and still do get a lot of guff from that. My main point is I was really, really disappointed yeah. and really angry yeah. and am still very angry. And there are people I don't want to talk to and there are people that I'm willing to talk to but very begrudgingly Yeah, because I'm still really it smarted. It it just like really, the phrase "chat my ass" came. I mean, it just it pissed me off because I'm I'm sitting there thinking, you guys have gay people in your family, you have transgender people in your family, you have people, and you are standing up here acting as though you were holier than the second coming. I mean, I don't get it, and so I still. I'm angry. There's a few people that I will I, I will talk to openly and honest about, you know, I was disappointed. It's been a tough session on uh-huh. the, but part of it is, right, this isn't the only bill you've had to face. No. Dealing with LGBTQ plus no. population. And I mean, I said to one of the people, one of the Republicans, I was like, what are y'all trying to do? Why are you stacking it up? Could you space out the pain? I mean, it's just like everything happened all at once. You know, I was thinking about it last night. I was thinking about how politics have become and continue to be made more and more and more divisive so that we're split, so that we can't come together and work together. Do you see a path to your friends who voted against you on this bill? Do you see a path to the friendship? Oh, yeah. I can, I you know, I can be cordial. I don't know. Um, friendships is a is gonna. We're gonna have to do some work on that. But you know, the, there's always a chance to work with somebody on something else. People are not just one issue. However, the American public or the North Carolina public or some the public thinks it's all about one issue. Mm-hmm. When the LGBT, um the 808 and all those things, and the elections at the same time, two of my most important issues came up together. I'm like, come on, quit mess. Let us vote and let us be who we need to be. Step out. Go away. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about your branding as a legislator with your hair and I think even kids identify you that way. Yeah. Oh, the legislator with the pink hair. How is it that this all came about? I had colored my hair back in the punk rock days. You know, I had a, the, one of those rat tails in the mm-hmm. 80s, and it was yellow and blue. And um, I had been coloring it blonde. And the hairdresser I went to, I was like, I, you know, let's put a little color here. She put some right here and everybody got used to it and then we put more and then we put more and I had purple hair and I've had blue hair and the pink hair just stuck Mm -hmm. and I um I don't know it's a happy color it makes me happy I love um 
as my friend Sky does. <laughs> I love pink. <laughs> I like having pink accessories. I mean, I just, you know, and I think that's when you go back to the whole lesbian thing. I thought that lesbians had to be like butch dyke, like rough and gruff. I had never met lesbians that were soft and squishy and liked pink and, you know, but I, I mean, I can also go till my garden, but you, you are know. wearing overalls. I am. I mean, I was gardening this morning. I mowed the lawn this morning and I got some plants to plant today or tomorrow, but it's hot. So, yeah. All right. For the magic wand question. Oh, geez. This one kept me up last night. I had to get up for an hour. All right. So you already have an answer. No, I don't have the magic wand question. If you had a magic wand and you could fix one thing, what would it be? I I tried to think of a way to sum this up, but a way to remove the divisiveness. And I'm not sure what that would take. And so I think what I'd like for people to do in politics is actually listen to other people before making a judgment. And I'll give you a good example. Representative Jay Adams He told me a story about a friend of his who had unfortunately ended up taking his life, death by suicide. He had done this with a gun. Jay said, he told me that the reason he felt so strongly that background checks don't work is because this friend of his had been in a mental health institution and he had gotten a background check and he had gotten the gun. And I said to him, I wish you had said that on the floor or told me before now because it makes a whole lot more sense why you're so against them. But we could have come together as to why you're against them and maybe how we could have figured out a background check or something that would have made both sides a little bit more comfortable with it. We have to start listening to each other. We just assume because you assume because I'm a Democrat that I'm against or for everything that a Democrat, and that's not necessarily true. And I don't know if this is true about being in the minority, but our Democratic caucus doesn't always stay together. So to me, that says that we're willing to step outside of the box. On the other side, those folks always stay together, no matter what. Is that really governing? I don't think every Republican in who voted for 808 felt that that was the right thing to do. Because if they did, I think they all could have looked me in the eye and said, I voted for it because of this, not, I'm sorry you had a bad day. Well, Representative Allison Dahl, we appreciate everything you're doing in North Carolina politics, your service in the House. Thank you for being on the podcast. You certainly know how to do politics better. Thank you, sir. I appreciate being here. The Do Politics Better podcast is sponsored by the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association. Beer and wine distributors in North Carolina are family-owned companies that directly employ more than 5,600 men and women across the state. The North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association works with the General Assembly to develop alcohol policies that ensure fairness in a competitive marketplace and promote responsible behavior. Visit the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association at ncbeerwine.com for more information. Wherever you are on the political question, 
about LGBTQ issues, transgender issues, social issues. Everyone I talked to said that they were pained to hear Representative Dahl crying that day on the House floor. In fact, I've heard from some folks on the conservative side when it comes to social issues. They said, you know, it's just sometimes it's painful to look over and see Representative Dahl on the House floor when we're taking these votes. Now, as she outlined it, it doesn't translate into a no vote. We really do appreciate Representative Dahl opening up to us about what she was feeling that day, how she feels about these friendships. We, we wish her the best, her friends at the General Assembly the best. We look forward to seeing them all working on legislation together. Tweet of the Week. The Tweet of the Week is sponsored by the North Carolina Pork Council, representing hog farmers around the state working hard to do agriculture better. Today, hog farms are reducing their carbon footprint by covering lagoons, reducing emissions, and generating renewable natural gas. To learn more, visit ncpork.org. This week's Tweet of the Week is from Danielle Battaglia. She's at Danny underscore Battaglia on Twitter. She is the News and Observer's DC correspondent. The tweet says... A former coworker is yelling in my ear about a news story we'd both had heard about, and I'm like, just so you have the right visual. While you're over there yelling about this, I'm over here eating cake with sprinkles on top off of a Snoopy plate. <laughs> Again, I brought this up to you this morning because you are always multitasking while you're on the phone with someone. Using the bathroom is a good time to multitask. I love having conversations while in the bathroom or texting while in the bathroom. Yeah, you always go to the bathroom while you're on a phone call, which is so bizarre to me. I just want to be really efficient with my time. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sometimes I'm on like real, really serious phone calls or something and like you're completely like you're somewhere else, you know? Mm -hmm. Have you, you haven't mastered the art of the, mm-hmm, yeah. I'm I'm always muted, you know. <laughs> That's right. I mute myself on phone calls. You mute yourself and then you unmute to say, really? <laughs> <laughs> here here are the things I will not do while talking on the phone. Drive. No, I'll do that. Okay. Every time you're late and I'll be like, where are you? You're like, oh, I got caught on a phone call. I'm like, oh, does your phone not work in the car? That's weird. Yeah, I don't want to get in the car and be in a conversation because I usually have the top down. Today, we talked on the phone because it was raining this morning, and I talked to you on the way here, but I don't I don't like that sound of... Well, you know, the, there's an easy solution. It would be to have your top up. Then you could, one, be on time, and two, take your phone call. Wow, Mr. <laughs> I like to be efficient on the phone. But here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. If I start a conversation in my home and I continue that conversation as I get in the car, that is where mayhem begins. Why? I will leave the stove on. I will leave the dogs out. I won't shut the front door. I won't shut the refrigerator. I'll put the ice in the cupboard. I just can't do... So bottom line is actually you're not 
efficient at all. No, I can use the bathroom and talk to you. You just can't do <laughs> other things like shutting doors. I can't shut doors. Can't yeah. remember my computer. Complete can't... sense. That makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. Things morally I will not do while talking on the phone. Oh, okay. We're going to bring morals into it. Morals. Okay. I will not talk to anyone naked. Um, why is that? Well... I'm sorry. You will talk to them in the bathroom. I have to assume your pants are not on, but you won't talk to them naked. So it's the shirt that that's where you draw the line, uh-huh. but you're fine with your pants off. Yeah. I, like if you're calling me and I get phone calls in the bathroom a lot, you know, cause I, you know, I'm in there shaving or I'm about to get in the shower, the phone will ring. If you call me, I'm not picking up if I don't have any clothes on. I am so afraid I'm going to hit FaceTime or you're FaceTiming me. I'm just not going to risk it. And I just don't want to think about, you know, whoever I'm talking to and me being negative. It just seems disrespectful for everybody. I just, I feel this argument has some very obvious loopholes in it based on using the bathroom. Wouldn't you be nervous about FaceTiming then? I usually don't accept the phone call while using the bathroom. I have established that we are in a conversation and then I'll go, okay, while I'm in this conversation, I'm going to walk into the bathroom and take care of some business. But not, I'm going to walk outside and shut the door behind me? Do you shut the door when you walk into the bathroom? Do you see, like, this isn't adding up? Yeah. There's, look, I'm not, I'm not pretending to be the most consistent person here. I'm just telling you this is my life. And I want you to appreciate the complexity of the person that I am when it comes to multitasking with my communications in my bathroom and my insistence that I not be naked. I just, I just want to underline that you're not efficient. You're saying this is efficient. Just how long it took you to explain your rules. That is the definition of inefficient. <laughs> Here's what I want us to do then. Let's work on some ground rules here. Okay. Let's come up with a, a list. Okay. Of- my number one ground rule for a phone call. Don't. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> that is so true. I'd rather not, you know, (laughs) like I can read, you can read, let's type messages. (laughs) Okay. What what is the, (laughs) like, are you illiterate? Why do we have to talk on the phone? (laughs) (laughs) Something about you I don't understand is that like you want to check in with me. Like today you called me on your way here (laughs) to discuss things we could talk about when you got to the office. Like... (laughs) Why? I called you back because I thought like something happened, you know? <laughs> like if you're calling me, I think it's important. Well, I But it's w- not. It's always just you calling to like, hey, tell me about last night. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I, you know, want to engage with conversation. Actually, you sent me a pretty serious text message this morning and I, th- I wanted to follow up on that. But it took you an hour. So like the time had come and passed, you know? Well, I was naked when you've, I was getting in the oh, shower. Oh, you can't text back naked? I don't like to even mix those worlds, nudity and communications. <laughs> I, I think we should all be quiet while nude. Yeah, no one should be communicating while naked. Speaking of your lack of efficiency on the phone in daily life, I heard this on a podcast and then I saw that it is sort of a trend online to say that 
there is, this should be classified as, I don't know if disability is the right word, but it's called time blindness. Hmm. Are you familiar with it? (laughs) No. It means that you cannot be on time. You have like no concept of time. And um, you have that. So does Lucille Sherman has it. Apparently when I um, get on you for being late. You're discriminating against me. Yeah, I'm ableist. (laughs) Wow, why are you like that? (laughs) Yeah. Why do you discriminate against people? (laughs) Why can't you accept me for who I am? I have tried. (laughs) But it... But then, you know what? It gets into who I am, which is (laughs) someone who gets anxious about being late. And you make me so anxious. It gives me the sweats. You're late. You're running behind. And then you run in, like, and then create a scene every time. Like, (laughs) hey, guys! And it's like, it's just, it makes it more annoying, you know? Like, people have been waiting on you. Uh We need to talk to HR. That's what we need to do. Yeah, I've got a few things to bring up with them. (laughs) I mean, I don't like the idea that you are being an ableist. Well, I don't like the idea that I had to see you in your workout clothes yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and I've seen your feet two days in a row. But I've been putting Band-Aids over my toenails. (laughs) I can't get into all of your insecurities in one episode. <laughs> See, I, it's summertime. It's really hot. We haven't been in session, so I've been wearing flip-flops to the office, wearing shorts. But I have insecurities about my feet, particularly my toes, my two big toes. Yeah, I never wants you to look at them. No, I put band-aids on them uh, before... I come to work so that I can wear flip-flops. And so it looks like I don't have any toenails. And I would rather you think I don't have toenails than to have you look at my toenails on my big toe. I mean, it looks like the walking dead. This is yet another example of your inefficiencies. Why would you put band-aids on your toes instead of just wearing you have those little clog moccasin things those things <laughs> those ugly shoes but they cover your toes why not just slip your feet into that my feet get hot and then my feet start itching and it's summertime i like to let my feet air out <laughs> <laughs> nothing you say makes sense I mean, essentially, my feet are airing out, except for the Band-Aids on my toenails. <laughs> and I love, and I love that people, I love, I love that people look at my toenails, and, it, and this happens all the time. People are like, "Hey, man, what happened to your toes?" And I'm like, I just put Band-Aids over. Do you say that? I just, I, I'm doing, I, I actually, I'm, I'm, I try to be transparent. I'm like, I'm actually putting Band-Aids on it for you because I don't want you to have to see my toenails. <laughs> you just love attention. <laughs> no. If you've got to put some Band-Aids on some toes that don't need it <laughs> for someone to talk to you, you'll do it. <laughs> I will. I will. But I don't want people going, man, what happened to your janky toes? I mean, this is coming from a man who walked into the bank last week to make a <laughs> deposit and yelled, I'm here to launder money. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
<laughs> you will do anything for a little bit of attention. Oh, you just gotta, you know, just having a little fun with the teller. Yeah, but, you know, not having a shirt on is where we draw the line. <laughs> All right. <laughs> take this, us out. Take us out. This... Do we get enough material? <laughs> we did. That's a wrap. Is any of it appropriate? <laughs> Clearly, we've been cooped up in the office too long this week because the General Assembly did not come into session, but maybe we'll have some news next week. Maybe we won't. We think probably not, but there will be some sort of legislative news and we will be here to talk to you about it. Until then, enjoy this little respite that we're all having. Get outside. Stay cool, though, and remember to do politics better.